It's just so great to be in the house of the Lord today to remind ourselves again that we serve a God of miracles. That we serve a God who sees through what we would see as impossible, and we know that all things are possible with God. And uh, we started this series called God of Miracles with this notion that I feel many of us have prayed, or at least I've prayed many times before, it's this idea of, I believe, but help my unbelief, you know? Like, I believe, I, I choose to believe, I want to believe, but if I'm going to be honest, there are moments where I'm not so sure my faith measures up to sort of my faith, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I just, there's this little bit of a gap there. And I believe to help my unbelief. And so we've been diving into this series of God of miracles and realizing truly, reminding ourselves again that there is nothing impossible with God. And realizing that the prerequisite for a miracle is simply an impossible situation. And many of us are at face, are at odds with impossible situations all around us in our world in front of us and the world around us. Many of us can find these times where we're not really sure what to do, what, what, what's going on, and we need a God of miracles. Uh, our theme verse has been this verse in, in Psalm 77, that what God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles, and you display your power among all the people. Again, reminding ourselves that we serve a God of power, of majesty, and might, who displays his power among all peoples. And so we are asking boldly, God, display your power among us. Let us see your power at work. Anybody praying for the power of work of God in their life today? Come on, we need the power of God at work in our relationships, in our world, and in healing, in our health, in our bodies. We need the power of God to work in our perspectives and in our hearts. A definition for a miracle as we've been working on is this, the extraordinary event manifesting as a divine intervention in human affairs, right? It's where God's power meets our reality, where his super engages with our natural, and we have this encounter with God. You can follow along in our notes. We are going to be kind of picking up where we left off uh, last week, and we're going to be working through the book of Luke. And you can follow along on Version events if you have that with you. You can open up to the Bible app and go to uh, the, the events there. And you can follow along on our notes. But just really quickly, if you have missed the last few weeks, we started this whole week with God of Anchor, that our hope is anchored in Christ, that we are anchored in His presence, His promise, and His process. And last week we said that we have this, we talked about this, the man with the leper who is desperate, to encounter God. He was desperate to push through and had this prayer, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, will you heal me? And so we talked about that last week and how God notices us and he reaches out to us and he heals us when we come to him with desperate hearts and willing to push through the awkward and the uncomfortable. So grateful that Jesus doesn't just see and see and heal what others see, but he sees beyond what others see. In our lives. And so we're going to continue on the story in Luke chapter 5. And, and the word is out now. The word is out. Jesus is performing miracles, signs, and wonders. He is now beginning to call his disciples and his followers of Jesus. And people are taking notice that a one man who was a leper is now no longer a leper. And people who were once sick are now being healed. And others who were oppressed by demons are now set free. And they are, in, they are in living in freedom. And people are taking notice. And a mob is starting to gather around Jesus. And they're following him. But unfortunately, in situations like that, you always find people who can't get to Jesus. 
they, they, they are physically unable to get to Jesus. And I want to talk, talk today about a story about a man, a paralytic man, we don't know his name, who wanted to get to Jesus, but he could not get to Jesus. And so he had friends who loved him enough and who had faith enough to believe that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, he would be healed. He would be healed. But the, the, the crowds were enormous and it was impossible to get them. And so, but they were determined and they were resourceful. And so I want to kind of dive into the story and see if there's things in us that God can speak to us and encourage us about God and miracles, about faith in our hearts as we, re- uh, as we under- unpack this story here today. So the question I want you to ask yourself is this. What part does our faith play in seeing or receiving a miracle? It's a question I want you to just kind of ponder and think about as we read through this story together. What, what part does our faith play, does my faith play, in seeing or receiving a miracle? Let's just think on that as we read through our story. So we're going to start in Luke 5, Luke 5 starting in verse 17, if you're following along in your Bibles. It says, one day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So people are coming all in. They're swarming in. They heard the news. The news is out. This guy is healing people, setting people free, and people are taking notice. People are inquisitive. They want to see what is going on. And the power of the Lord was upon Jesus to heal the sick. And some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, uh, they tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. We keep on going, but when they could not find a way in, so they're, they're coming to this house, and these are, these are small little kind of one-room homes, right? Like they're not these big homes that we're used to seeing around town now. These are one-bedroom kind of houses where the kitchen, and the, there may be a little small room off to the side for a bedroom, but these are small little homes, kind of one-level places, and people are sitting in and staring at it, overflowing into, the, into the, the aisleway or the roadway, and they're listening and trying to hear the voice of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. Who is this man? And so these four friends are carrying this man to Jesus in some sort of mat or some sort of gurney, carrying him to Jesus. They could not find a way in because of the crowd. And so they went up on the rooftop. They, these homes traditionally had a sort of a side staircase on the side that would go to the top of the house, and it was all these tiles and threshing, packed in threshing, and wheat and straw and, and muck and mud and all kind of compressed in. And they go onto the top of this house, and they rip a hole in the house. They rip a hole in the tiles of the roof, and they lower him through the tiles right in front of Jesus. It's just, it's just a crazy story. It's one thing to rip a hole in your own roof, right? But these men, these men had such, so full of faith, such audacity that they ripped a hole in somebody else's house. No one ever talks about the, the poor housekeeper, right? This whole homeowner, he's hosting Jesus. This is, this is a beautiful thing for him. He's got this privilege of hosting Jesus in his house. And all of a sudden he wakes up, there's a hole in his roof because these men wanted to get to Jesus. We don't know how the story ends. We don't know who was responsible for patching the hole. We just know that there was these men of faith. They exhausted all their options. They had tried everything to get to Jesus, and they were desperate, and they believed. Here's the thing. They believed if we could just get our friend to Jesus, everything would be okay. Come on, they were so full of faith. They, they, you know what? The, the, the news was, was stirring. No one really knew who Jesus was yet at this time. There was, they just knew that something about him was different. That there was something about him that God ordained to heal people and set people free. And they just wanted a 
be aware. They wanted to be in there. They wanted to be part of that. And we keep on reading in verse 20. It says that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sin is forgiven. Friends, your sins are forgiven. I, I love this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the friend, your sins are forgiven. This is a beautiful moment that I don't want us to miss. He, we're, last week we talked about the leper, how the leper himself came to Jesus, and Jesus first said to the leper, your sins are forgiven, right? It was just like a, a personal interaction with the faith of the individual coming to Jesus. But in this story, we see something totally different. We see the faith of the friends bringing their friend who was unable to get to Jesus on his own, the faith of their friends bringing to Jesus, doing whatever they had to do to bring their friends to Jesus, and Jesus looks to them, and because of their faith, he says to the friend, your sins are forgiven. This beautiful moment that we have this opportunity to not only receive but have faith for ourselves, but have faith for our friends, have faith for our loved ones, to bring people to Jesus. He says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Come on, they're, they're, they're so lost in the religious order, the rules of stuff, that they're missing out the relationship of God right in front of them. Who can, forg- who can forgive sins but God alone? And he speaks to this man, your sins are forgiven. I love that the very first thing that Jesus says, this is a time and time again, is that your sins are forgiven. Do you know what this means to me? This means to me that Jesus cares more about our heart than our hurt. Jesus is more concerned about our heart than our hurt. And that's not true with us, right? We're more concerned with our hurt. Like this is painful, this is uncomfortable, this is awkward. We see how the limitations of our physical hurt and our physical healing can hold us back. But Jesus speaks first to the heart of the individual. says, your sins are forgiven. And then you see these skeptics or these Pharisees and these teachers of the law who are part of the crowd, but they're, they're part of the crowd because they're skeptics. They're, 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 they're listening about this and they're, they're curious about who this Jesus is because they, they're, they're curious because it's robbing them of, of their platform, of, of, of their position in the temple and their position in the community. And there are these skeptics trying to minimize the work of God. And I've realized as you read this story and as you even look at life, there's always skeptics right in every room. There's people who think they know better. Unfortunately, sometimes the people who think they know better should know better. <laughs> right? They, they actually should know better. At times, our intelligence actually gets in the way of seeing what's right in front of us. At times, our desperate attempt to follow the rules actually distracts us from the relationship Jesus wants to have with us. And I think that was the scenario of these Pharisees and, and, and these, these Sadducees, these religious teachers. I don't think they were all bad. I actually think most of them were probably kind-hearted, good-hearted people. But you get locked into the rules. You get, Remember, Jesus, Moses gave ten commandments for the Israelites to follow. And the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees created 613 rules in order to follow the ten commandments. Okay? Like, just talk about the weight of rules and responsibilities, the framework in which they created their faith, their religion. And these Pharisees, this, it seems like Jesus is coming and he's breaking all the rules. But he's breaking all the rules in the name of God, which in their mind is destroying their paradigm. It's, it's destroying their framework of who God is and how God works. And so I don't think they were all bad people per se, but they were definitely blinded by the rules to see the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with his people. 
And so here they are. And Jesus knows, right? Jesus knows. No one, they didn't say anything at this point, but they, they're thinking it. They're, who is this guy? They're in their mind and their hearts. And Jesus speaks to their thoughts and he says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asks, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But, to, but, you want, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. And so he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. See, Jesus knew it's easier to say your sins are forgiven Right? Anybody can say to someone, your sins are forgiven. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. It's easy to say that. It's a lot harder to say, get up and walk. Because now that's where faith comes to action. Right? That's where faith meets, where rubber meets the road. And he says, and then the scripture tells us, immediately he stood up in front of them. And he took what he had been laying on and he went home praising God. And everyone was amazed. Imagine, everyone was amazed. This is amazing. And they began to praise God and they were filled with awe because of all the remarkable things we had seen today. And there's this beautiful story of how their faith, these friends' faith, led someone to Jesus, brought someone to Jesus to receive a miracle. And as I read this story, I've been asking myself, you know, what type of faith captures God's attention? I mean, there are many people there probably who are looking for a miracle. This probably wasn't the only individual there who was hoping that Jesus would see them and point them out from the crowd. There are many people there who were hoping that Jesus would notice them and, and reach out and heal them. This wasn't the only man. But there's something about these four friends, there's something about this situation that captured Jesus' attention, that captured God's attention and I've been digging into a little bit I want to share with you three things that I feel the type of faith or the attributes or the qualities of faith that grab and capture God's attention the first is this it's a faith that initiates it's a faith that initiates Hebrews eleven six says and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who here it is who earnestly seek him there's this, there's this faith that initiates, that seeks out the presence of God, that looks for the power of God. See, this house was full of three different types of people. There are the spectators, which are most of the people that were there. They were here because they were curious about Jesus. They, they heard about something and they wanted to see what Jesus was up about, what he was all about. Who is this man? There's, they were spectators. They were witnessing what took place. The second group of people was the skeptics. They were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're, they're coming with a skeptical heart. Who is this man that claims to be God, that is healing in, front of, in the name of God? They're skeptical. They're, they, they weren't, and they weren't even nice about it, right? And then the third group of people were the seekers. The, the small group of people who were earnestly seeking out the presence of God. They were seeking the, the presence beyond. Uh, they were seeking the presence and the power of God, believing in their hearts. What if? What if I could just get in front of Jesus? What if I could just get our friend to Jesus? They were seeking out the presence of God. And in our room today, in, 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 in any church environment, a Christian environment, you have one of three people. You have the spectators, the skeptics, and the seekers. And the question I want to ask you and me is, which one are we? Which one are you? 
When you come into this place, are you coming just to spectate, just to watch and see and observe? Are you coming with a skeptical heart to look for the errors and the flaws and trying to find the loopholes? Or are you coming with a seeker's heart to earnestly seek the presence and the power of God? Because I believe, as Scripture indicates, that God, is, His heart is captured by those who seek after Him. Those who come into His presence believing what if. See, miracles are, miracles are events in which God and man work together. We've talked about this. It's, someone once said that with man, God shall not, and without God, man cannot. You know, without man, God shall not, and with man, without God, man cannot. It's this idea that we, God needs us to work together. There's this collaborative relationship between what God wants to do and the people he wants to do it through. That we work together with God. And there's this principle, this spiritual principle that comes to the fourth, that comes forward is that Jesus responds to our first steps of faith. Jesus responds to our first steps of faith. If you look right through the Old Testament, the New Testament, the natural always precedes the supernatural. What's that mean? Is that the faith of man, the actual faith of men and women who believe in God, who step out in faith, precedes the supernatural acts of God. Right? We would all love it for, for God just to move and then we walk, right? God, you prepare the way and then we'll walk through. Moses, and, and, you know, the Red Sea is a great example. You know, God, if you open the Red Sea while we're standing here safe on dry ground, when you open the Red Sea, then we will walk out, right? No, no, that's not how it works. Moses had to step into the river first by faith before God parted the sea. You know, we want God to move on our behalf, but sometimes God is saying, well, do something. Move first. Give me something to bless. Give me something. Let your natural start for my supernatural to come in and marry with what you are doing. Think about it this way as a surfer. I'm not a surfer. Never tried surfing. I've tried bodyboarding one time, and it never ended up pretty. It wasn't pretty, so I kind of just said, well, I hung up my hat on that, right? But you got guys out here surfing in November, which is idiotic in my mind, but whatever. They love it. Let them do it. But here's the thing about surfing. You can surf all you want, but if you don't get in the water, right? You can say, God, help me be a good surfer. God, help me catch that wave. But you stand on the shore, ain't going to happen, right? As much as God wants it to happen for you, unless you put yourself in position to catch the wave, you will never catch the wave. And more than that, not only do you got to end the water, but you got to work for it. You got to paddle it. You got to recognize the wave of the, the waves that are going to come in in order to recognize the wave. And then you got to paddle, right? To get in position to receive and catch the wave. And I believe this is the way that miracles work in our life, too, is God doesn't just do it when He does it. He, he does it when we activate our faith, when we position our faith, when we position ourselves and recognize the move of the Spirit, the wave of the Spirit, and position ourselves in order to receive the power of God. What does James 4 tell us? One of my favorite verses. When we draw near to God, when we come near to God, He promises that He will come near to us. There's this element, again, when we take that steps of faith, when we initiate our faith, when we move into the presence of God, there's a promise that God will encounter us. God will meet us where we are at. Revelation 3.20, another example, where Jesus is, Behold, here I am. I stand at the door, and I knock. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. If anyone hears this voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will eat with that person, they with me. There's this relationship that if you want to encounter God, you've got to invite him into the room. You've got to invite him into your situation. You've got to initiate the relationship. So these four men, different than the rest of the crowd as we, as we read it in this story, they weren't just there as spectators. 
They weren't there as, uh, as skeptics, but they were there earnestly seeking the presence of God, earnestly seeking the power of God on behalf of their friend. So the question for us this morning is, are we a spectator, a skeptic, or a seeker? Are we initiating our faith? Second type of faith that we see in here is a faith that persists. A faith that persists. I love, I love, I love this, this, this mental image that we find in Romans 4.8. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I love the, the, the contrast of this statement. Like, against all hope, when, when, uh, then Abraham in hope believed. The New Living Translation says, even when there was no reason for hope, <laughs> even when all hope was lost, there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping. And I believe that speaks to the persistent nature of our faith. And I don't know why God doesn't answer our prayers off the first prayer. I don't know why God doesn't heal all people and restore all people and and, and perform miracles in all people, physical signs and wonders, but I do know that there is this element of persistence that each one of us have to adopt in our faith that we will not give up. We will not will not quit seeking the presence of God. We will not give up initiating the power of God. We will not give up on bringing our friends to God. See, when faced with with impossible situations, it's easy to develop this attitude that that gives up. It's easy to to cash in. It's easy to throw it all away. It's easy to get angry and and frustrated. It's easy. Many of you know this feeling. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you are experiencing this even now. It's this feeling of what's the point? I prayed. You said God cares about me. You said God wants to heal me. You said God's got the power to restore me. And I prayed for it, but nothing's happened. So why keep on praying? Obviously, he doesn't care. Obviously, he's too busy. Obviously, I'm too sinful. Obviously, I'm not in a good spot with God. Whatever reason you want to fill in the blanks, whatever reason the enemy wants to create division between you and God, he'll just continue to give excuses, right? And that's what happens. We can either begin to blame God. Well, it's God's fault. You know, we can begin to blame other people and their situations and what they did to us. You know, in this season with the men and their friends, they could blame the crowd. Hey, don't you know we have somebody here who needs Jesus? Get out of the way! You know, it's easy to blame other people. It's easy to even to blame the issue, the person. It's this is your fault. You're like this because of your issues or your, your sin or your situation. or You did that, therefore you're getting this in return. You, you deserve this. We can start blaming and blaming and blaming. But there's this principle that Jesus, Jesus emphasizes this importance of persistent prayer. This persistent prayer. And there's a lot of this idea of pushing through, to push through, to, to pray until something happens. You ever heard this phrase? we got to push through. We're going to pray until something happens. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep praying until something happens. We're going to keep pushing through. We're going to keep knocking on that door. We're going to keep asking God. We're going to keep initiating our faith. We're going to keep coming into the presence of God. We're going to keep believing that God who started a good work in us is faithful to complete it. We're going to keep coming in to believe that all things are possible with God. That He will start. That He will finish what He's completed in our hearts. We'll pray until something happens. that Jesus emphasizes this notion of the spiritual principle in Luke 18. And he reads this story. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God 
nor, nor cared what people thought. This guy did, did what he did. He did what he want, when he wanted. He had no care about God and no care about people. He, so he just did what felt right to him. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, and I actually don't care what people think, yet, this, because, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I love this, it's like she's nagging me to death, you know? I will see that she gets justice. Now, I love this word, how he uses justice. He's not saying I'll see what she gets what she wants. Right? He didn't even say I'll see, I'll, I'll see that she gets what she's asking for. Jesus uses the word justice, which I just think is an interesting term there because justice doesn't always mean what, what we think is justice, but he, what the king sees is just and right. So that, she won't event, so, so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. And the Lord said to her, listen to what the unjust, said, unjust judge says, and the God will bring about justice for his chosen ones who carry out to him, uh, who cry out to him rather day, day and night. He will, keep put, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Listen. Jesus is saying, listen, keep asking. Don't give up. Don't stop quitting. I was like, when I come back, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people who are persistent, who are continuing to leaning in, who are initiating faith, or is he going to find people who have given up? Is he going to find those who earnestly seek him, or is he going to find those who are still skeptics, who've, ta- who've thrown in the towel and walked away. I love, he tells us to, to lean in, to not give up, to keep on asking, to keep on asking, and praying for justice. And justice means God's way, God's way in this situation. What God sees as right, what God sees as just, may that come to fruition in my situation. We pray for that miracle. And this here's the second principle we're leaning into today, is that Jesus responds to a faith that doesn't give up. He responds to a faith that doesn't give up. What have you stopped praying about? What have you stopped believing for? Where do you need God to reactivate a persistent-like faith in your life? To boldly ask and to boldly lean in to seek out God's Presence. I was reminded this morning as I was even thinking through this message of, of, a, of the example of a parent, of a godly parent who, who's constantly praying for their wayward child, who against all hope, right, in hope, believes that their child will be reconciled back into relationship with God. Many of, there are many people actually in this room, that is your story, where you have a child who was far from God and you didn't give up. Uh, Against all hope. But in hope, you continue to pray. You continue to believe. Many of us are the recipients of the unrestricted persistence of our parents' prayers who brought us back into the place where we are in relationship with God. Never give up. James 1, 6 says, When you pray, you must believe and not doubt. Come on, we need to come into our prayer with faith to believe that we serve a God where all things are possible. We keep on coming in with persistence. We keep on coming in with faith. We initiate it and we persist. And the last thing is we need to have a faith that obeys. A faith that obeys. See, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? 
I love how Jesus, he says to the man in, five, in verse 522, he says, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take out your mat, and go home. See, we don't know much about this person. We don't know if they were paralyzed since birth. We don't know if they were just paralyzed because they were in an accident recently and they're unable to walk. But at some point in this journey, this man was paralyzed for some reason or another. And he could not walk. And now, when so, and you live in this mindset, and you live in this identity that I am paralyzed. This is who I am. And Jesus speaks to this man, and not only does he forgive him of his sins, but he tells him, "Get up and walk." Now, imagine the faith step it takes to trust your legs again. Come on now. None of us like being embarrassed. But this man is in the middle of a house that someone just tore open a hole in the roof. Right? The faith of his friends. He doesn't want to disappoint his friends. He doesn't want to let his friends down. He's got all these people wound watching him. Spectators. Skeptics. He in his mind is even rustling through what, I'm, what do I believe in this? This is all new to me. He's working through his own, his own struggles and his own doubts. I believe, but help my unbelief. But in this moment, this man had to stake a faith step, didn't he? And he had to put pressure on his legs and trust that God who says the miracle took place actually took place. There comes a time in our moment where we have to let go of our rational thinking too, doesn't it? Sometimes our stinking thinking gets in the way, right? And we have to take that step of faith. We have to embrace the supernatural work. Listen, I was doing a quick run through my, my mind this week of, of story after story after story. Listen, this act of obedience always takes place. There's always this moment where we have to test God's work at life. Like, think about Gideon, for example. Gideon, if you don't know the story of Gideon, was a, he was leader of the army and judges, had three, uh, 30,000 men at his disposal to fight an army of 1,000, 100,000 men plus. And God kept on telling him to let people go, let people go, let people go until till he was an army of 300 against an army of 100,000 plus. Like, talk about the faith it takes to send your army home. <laughs> and as you pursue the battle, you're sending soldiers home. Like, talk about the faith. Talk about Joshua marching around Jericho, not just once, not twice, three times, four times, but seven times after seven days. And after the end of that, and not just going in with swords, but standing there with trumpets and breaking clay chars. Like, think about the faith it takes to win a battle that way, to conquer a city. Think about Peter and Andrew, who have been fishing all day in a little boat, right? Not a big boat. And Jesus comes onto the water. They haven't caught any fish all day. And Jesus has the audacity to say, just throw the net to the other side of the boat. What, you mean the other side of this four-foot boat? As if that's going to make a big difference on this side of the boat? Just throw your fish, throw your net on the other side. So after doing it all day, they're reeling in this net, this big old net. And by faith, they throw the net into the other side of the boat and they reap a harvest that can't even pull in. Think about the, 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 the servants at the wedding feast where Jesus transforms water into wine and, and Mary tells the servants, go just do whatever he says. And Jesus says, go get me jars of water. And these people are like, what? You're, we're making wine? You want me to go get water? And they have to by faith go and they bring up jars of water and present these jars of water to Jesus. The faith step, the action of our marrying relationship with God. Think about Peter stepping out of the boat. There's a storm going on. We think we see Jesus. And, G and Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, it's me, come to me. So Peter, we all make fun of Peter because he fell in the water. But Peter was the only one who got out of the boat. 
You know, he was the only one who took the faith step and stepped out of the boat when everything in him, he's a fisherman, he lives on the water, tells him this is not going to end up well. Right? I cannot stand on water. But Peter has actionized his faith to receive the miracle and receive and experience the power of God in his life. There are too many to reference, but all in all, every time we come to this miracle point, there comes this moment where we have to have a faith to obey. Right? We have, the, we have to have the faith to step. We have to have the faith to speak. We have the faith to believe and to do what God is asking us to do. We have to have the faith. James again says in 2.14, he says, What good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it in your actions? Listen, at some point, we have to marry our faith and our actions. We have to marry our faith with what we just say we believe what we hold on to his belief by our actions and our steps. And here's the spiritual principle I want us to remember today. Is that Jesus responds to a faith that trusts in action. Jesus responds to a faith that trusts in action. And maybe you're here today and you're believing for a miracle in your life. But there's this one thing that God is asking you to do. And you're just saying, I can't do it. What if it doesn't work? And you feel it. You feel this nudging of the Spirit in your life. It's not going away, and you feel like, oh, I just step out in faith. I remember for us, several years ago, God was calling us out of one church, and I was trying to be the diligent person and getting a job before we left that job, because that just seemed like the rational thing to do. You know, Have a job before you leave a job. Right? Especially when you have a family and kids at home. And I remember God brought me to this place where he said, you need to let go before I fill. You need to let go before I give you the next thing. And the first part of my, probably for the first time in my life, this trust in action became real to me. Where I believed that we serve a God who could provide for us and make straight the path. But he asked me to let go first. And I tell you what, it challenged me in that season challenge Wendy and I. We had to pray through that. It was a hard season. But God was faithful. God was faithful. Many of you have stories of your own where God has asked you to let go. You had to take the step of faith. You had to have a faith that obeys before you could experience the miracle power of God in your life. So what type of faith captures the heart and the attention of God? One, it's a faith that initiates it's a faith that initiates Jesus' responds to our first steps of faith. A faith that persists. That Jesus responds to a faith that doesn't give up. And lastly, a faith that obeys. That Jesus responds to a faith that trusts in action. And I'm believing this. I'm believing this for my life. I'm believing this for my family. I'm believing this for our church. That we would have that type of faith. To believe in a God of miracles. One that initiates, persists doesn't give up and obeys the voice of God to believe in God and miracles. What miracle do you need in your life today? What miracle does your child need in their life today? What miracle does your friend need in their life today? And how will you activate your faith to grab God's attention? One of the greatest miracles you could ever take place in this room, and I believe, is we talked about how Jesus sees the heart before the hurt. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, God, I just need a miracle in my heart first. 
I'm sitting here today and maybe I need a miracle in my heart. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I have this hurt deep down that only Jesus can heal. I want you to tell you that Jesus came onto this world to die on the cross to restore the relationship between a broken humanity and an awesome God. And Jesus came in to restore that relationship, to create a way that we could not create in our own. He brought us through like the friend who brought their friend to Jesus. He pushed through the crowd. He pushed through what seemed to be the impossible and he made a way where there seemed to be no way so that you and I could receive the grace and the hope of eternal life through the relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you need to take a step and receive that relationship for yourself. Or maybe you're here today and you, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. But you recognize there are people in your life who need a miracle. There are people in your life, in your home, and in your family, in your circumstances who they need a miracle and God is activating your faith on their behalf to bring them to Jesus or bring Jesus to them. Today I want to stir your faith a little bit today. I want to stir your faith to believe that we serve a God of miracles. And maybe you've been tired, maybe you're exhausted, maybe you're numb, maybe you're just feeling like, what's the point? Can I encourage you to lean in? to initiate, to persist, and obey. So we're going to have two prayers this morning, this morning before we leave. One, I want to pray with you. If you're here and you want to receive Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray this prayer with you. What is uh, Romans 10? It says, if you, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a promise for you today to receive a miracle in your life. And then secondly, we're going to pray for people who need a miracle in their life. We're gonna, we're gonna activate our faith. But let's just, can I just encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't wanna miss, I just wanna skip through this moment. I, I want God to be able to connect with your heart because here's the thing, I can't convince you of this. I, I can't do anything. I can only just present the word. We have to allow the spirit of God to work in your heart. But if you're here today and you're believing, hey God, I need you to come into my heart. I need to make my life right with you. I need a miracle in my heart, in my life, in my situation today. And I want to receive forgiveness, the forgiveness of my sins. And invite me into a relationship with God. I'm going to pray a prayer and I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in your own way. And it's simply a prayer of repentance, a prayer of surrender. And it says this, thank dear Lord, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me just the way I am. And for loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. I believe that you came into my brokenness and you died for my sins and you rose again so that I could be made new. And as much as I know now, I want to follow you. So please come into my life and make me a new person from the inside out. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of your saving grace. So today, I receive your forgiveness and your salvation through faith and I commit to following you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe that is the best prayer you could ever play in your life. Come on, let's just give it a round of applause. Come on, anyone who prayed that prayer. Come on. Last week, I just want to let you know as a church, last week three people prayed that prayer for the first time. And I believe if you come into this place, there's a level of curiosity about Jesus, and I believe that you're not here by accident. I believe that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And you may be here because of the prayers of a friend who's now bringing you to Jesus to receive a miracle. And the first miracle you receive is that you are forgiven. So I want you to know today you are forgiven because of the grace of God, the love of God. So if you made that decision, I want you to tell somebody. 
Come on, don't make that a secret. That's, 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 like, that's like shout out from the mountaintop kind of celebration. You can let us know by t- filling out the card in front of you. There's a connection card. Let us know. You can bring that back to the Welcome Center. We love to pray with you and give you any resources to help you in your journey with Jesus. And here's the second thing I want us to do today. Is I know many of you have been praying for the situation over in Ukraine and Russia. Many of you are touched by the situation. And, you know, sometimes we can feel helpless, right? Sometimes we can feel like we're out of, that there's nothing we can do. Sometimes we can feel like all we can do is just bring the situation to Jesus. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to activate our faith like the friends who brought their friend to Jesus. And we're going to pray for, the, for, for people on both sides of the border, the innocents on both sides, the, the destruction on both sides, the, the people of God on both sides, that they would be renewed and they would find hope in Christ. We pray for peace and protection. We pray for the efforts, to, for relief efforts. We pray for God to have a way what seems to be an impossible situation. Maybe you have a friend who's going through an impossible situation. You need God to make a way where there seems to be an impossible situation. Can we stand to our feet today as we activate our faith? And I want us to just imagine, maybe it's picturing someone in Ukraine. Maybe you've seen the pictures on social media, on the news. Maybe you have a friend in town who's going through an impossible situation who needs Jesus. Maybe it's someone in your family. But can we just close our eyes? Can we picture these people that we're going to pray for today? Can we picture them? Can we recognize that they are people? They are loved by God. They are, they are God's children. And we're just going to pray that God would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, we just bring this situation. First, we pray for the situation in Ukraine. Lord, we understand that it is so much out of our control. There's very little that we can do. But God, we bring them to you because you are good and you are God and you hold all things together in your hands. And so God, today we just pray for peace. We pray for protection. We pray for relief, God. We pray that you would protect all the innocents involved on both sides. God, that you would protect those who are sheltering in place. You would, you would be with the families who are being separated and, and pulled apart. You'd be with the businesses that are shutting down. God, you'd be with those who are losing loved ones. God, you would be with those who are affected by the decisions of others. God, have your way. Protect, we pray. Bring peace. We pray, God, mobilize your church. Mobilize your men and women of God. Give them the courage to stand in the face of persecution. God, give them the courage to stand in the face of difficulties. God, we know that they're not, you have not turned your back on them. God, we know that you care for them. And so, God, we present them into your hands. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a miraculous work in and through this situation, that ultimately people would find hope in Christ today. God, we pray for people to find hope in you today. And God, we do pray for those, those powers that be that are, that are manipulating and moving. God, we pray for righteousness to be restored. God, we pray for your, your Holy Spirit to provide, provide conviction and to move in their hearts. Spirit of God, do the work that only you can do. And so God, we present what seems to be impossible to the God of the impossible. The God of all things possible, we present it at your feet. God, have your way. And Lord, we think about our friends. We think about our neighbors. We think about our loved ones, those who are far from you. God, those who find themselves needing a miracle in their life. May we be people of God who initiate, persist, and obey. And may we activate our faith on their behalf to believe for a God of miracles in their life. God, give us the words to say. Give us the boldness to act. God, give us the courage to step for your glory and for your 
purpose. We pray for your kingdom and for your grace. Lord, we lean into the season of God of miracles. Help our unbelief. Help us in the seasons to lean into you, to trust in you in all things. We pray this in your precious name. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's we sing together. Let's sing this as a prayer, as a benediction that we have a God of miracles. He wants to rise faith in our hearts today. Let's pray.